This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, and I'm feeling sort of rejuvenated after a quasi-vacation, and I'm coming at you with my super-duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, is going to beg the Jazz to keep Ricky Rubio this summer more than the Lakers coaching staff beg Magic Johnson to keep Brooke Lopez this past summer co-host Andrew D. Bailey. Before we get started, um, we're just going to get through our housekeeping notes really quickly first. Uh, I want to remind, implore, beg, continue pleading with everyone to help us get those numbers up on iTunes. Just search Hardwood Knox. Take the 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. If you haven't subscribed, please do that. Uh, if you have not left us a rating, throw us that five-star rating. Leave reviews in the comment section. Andy and I are always checking them. We love seeing the numbers go up. We love hearing your feedback. If you have already done all that... Please, referrals, shout us out on Twitter. We've seen more of those lately. We appreciate it. We love you for it forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, This is our first podcast officially as a member of the Blue Wire Network. Our last episode released under that, but this is we pre-recorded that one. So this is really our first recording for them. Uh, Just to reiterate what was in the, I don't even know if you call that a press release, um, but I, Dave Favalli, apparently, and Andy are very excited to be a part of such a stellar up-and-coming network that has just a powerhouse of good podcasts already you know you talk about the chase down light years podcast on there a whole bunch of other stuff too so be sure to check out the blue wire podcast network we can still be found wherever you're consuming your podcast including art 19 now but also spotify google play spreaker blog talk we are all over the place but itunes is the best way to continue letting us know that you are out there and that you are listening and that you are fulfilling our calls to action. They're more like please, though, as you've noticed. With that two-minute spiel out of the way, I get to ask the question I've not asked in basically a week. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, excited to <clears throat> talk about our, our brilliant predictions from before the season started, see where we were maybe off a little bit, see where Vegas was off a little bit. It's, uh, it'll be a nice retrospective. Yeah, that's right. Just place the blame onto Vegas for where we were wrong. That's that's where I'm at too. Yeah. Uh, the the one thing I wanted to ask you about. So, and they're going to tie into this conversation, which is basically the statistically or the based off projections, the biggest disappointments and surprises of the seasons. The Lakers are in there, but we need to have a separate conversation about them. While, while I was away, of course, I'm checking Twitter and emails and all that stuff. There was the report from that fantastic piece on the Athletic by Bill Worm about some of the stuff going on behind the scenes with the Lakers, uh, specifically about how the coaching staff sort of begged with Magic Johnson to keep Brooke Lopez after signing LeBron, but he instead went JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, Rondo was in there, uh, Michael Beasley was in there, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope came back as well. 
the reaction to that was, of course, to troll the Lakers front office, as I think is warranted, specific, uh, especially with all the criticism that Luke Walton has received. Don't think he's the best coach. His, you know, There are smarter people, including you, about X's and O's that don't like him. His substitution patterns can get weird, and some of the lineups he's thrown out there just look bad, and it, it's like pretty obviously so bad. Still, it seems like they dropped the ball, and I know people think that we're oversimplifying by saying, well, look, you gave Michael Beasley Brooke Lopez his money. I understand the mark is different at the beginning, but my answer to all that is, and you look at what Rondo signed, you wait. These are the free agents that would have still been there if that's the direction you wanted to go. You let the market play out to see if you can pick up some of those guys who are better fits, who are higher impact, that might be left around. That's what smart teams do is they hang around. The Lakers, and you know what happens if, here's and here's where I'll leave it to you, you know what happens if Rondo signs elsewhere? You don't get Rondo. That's okay. You know what happens if Michael Beasley or Lance Stevenson signs elsewhere? You don't get Michael Beasley or Lance Stevenson and your life goes on. The sun will come up the next day and your team, in many of those instances, will probably be better off for it. So I'm just curious on where you land with all of this and where you distribute the blame mostly. Do you think that uh, Luke Walton's future is now fade complete where he's just going to be canned after the offseason? Uh, I'm just wondering where you fall on all of this. Well, it sure seems like he's going to get canned. Um, the coach is often the easy fall guy. Uh, in some cases, warranted. In this one, I don't really think that it is. Like you said, I think there are some valid criticisms of you know some of the rotational decisions that he's made, um, some of the X's and O's stuff. But I, I think, generally speaking, he's a pretty good young coach. He He got a lot more out of that group last season than I think most people could have expected. Um, and that was starting to look like a pretty fun up and coming team under his direction. And <clears throat> according to this Bill Orham story, it's him and the rest of his staff who wanted to make the correct moves this offseason, <laughs> particularly <laughs> re-signing Brooke Lopez, which just, in, I mean, even at the time, it seemed like kind of a no brainer. But certainly in hindsight, it, it, it seems like that, um, especially it's- when you compare it to who they actually signed. <laughs> uh, it, it's pretty clear to me that the the blame for this whole situation it's got to start with the front office um it's it's tough for the lakers that lebron got hurt uh luke walton has not been perfect but ultimately i i think the biggest chunk of the blame for this disappointment and, and we'll probably get into what the actual number is behind that disappointment um but it's it's mostly on the front office for me yeah i think it has to be there and where the Brooke Lopez thing is interesting because you gave Rondo cap space money. So I would have paid Brooke Lopez that to come back on one year. That's, and that's something you could have said. It didn't have to be that the Bucks used their biannual exception on him. It's if you needed to pay him more to stick around, he's such a good fit that you do that. And I doubt he said on Zach Lowe's podcast that he wanted to go back to Los Angeles. I doubt that he was flat out. Like I'm not signing a one year deal because him and his agent might've missed read the market. I, I sincerely doubt that that happened. And what's interesting, or maybe a fatal flaw about the Lakers, and I thought that Jeannie Buss understood this, and her recent comments from the Sloan Conference, where she said that the media is her biggest hurdle, makes me think that maybe she doesn't grasp this as well. I certainly don't think Magic Johnson or Rob Palinka get this. The Lakers are not like this team that has positioned themselves to be in, to have a better trajectory. Like they didn't, they didn't do anything right to get LeBron James, other than that he wanted to be in Los Angeles. They are very clearly the Kardashians 
of the NBA. They were born on third base in this situation. They have the historical mystique and Magic Johnson and Rob Lincoln, maybe even Jeannie Buss a little bit want to spin this as like this self-made team. No, Kylie Jenner's not a self-made billionaire. The Lakers are not this um, self-made should be championship contender. It's just LeBron because they're in Los Angeles, because they have the historical mystique, because LeBron was at a point in his career where he wanted to prioritize what's happening off the court just as much, if not more and what's happening on the court, that's why you have LeBron James. And you have not done a good job developing your youngsters. Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball, they're all good young talents. And you can argue that the way Brandon Ingram comes on late in the season, before this season-ending injury, of course, that's great. But you you haven't done anything to prove that you're a functioning basketball organization. And I thought that, and I, I still think she does. Jeannie Buss is super smart. And the way she talked about Luke Walton being a cornerstone in his own right earlier and even now that we can believe that she's still in her corner, she gets that this team doesn't have, to some level, I think, doesn't have more than that intrinsic cachet. Like, there's nothing they've done objectively that makes them a good, great basketball draw or could be surefire awesome product. And the, the organization as a whole, though, does not seem to grasp that. And if you fire Luke Walton, it's not only just displacement blame to me, it's cannonballing deeper into this illusion that this franchise thinks it knows what it's doing or that it has the right uh, to think in the terms that they are, that this team needed immediate results or that they've or somehow earned the benefit of the doubt in any circumstance, which specifically in this case, they definitely have not. If that makes any sense to you, I feel like I was rambling for a little bit there. No, I think it, it was all uh, valid criticism, especially the Kylie Jenner analogy. Um, yeah, they want that profile written about how they're this... Yeah. self-made upstart team all of a sudden or something they're over under um prior to the season starting was 48 and a half wins uh we both went under so shout out to us um right now 538 has them projected to get to 37 wins which would be a differential of 11 and a half only the new york knicks had a worse differential we just we just ran the numbers on all 30 of the team. So if you're just looking at it from that perspective, it's the second biggest disappointment in the league. Um, five, I mean, Vegas obviously didn't figure for an 18 game absence or whatever it was for LeBron. And, and obviously the story could be a lot different if he doesn't go through that injury. But I, I think it's fair to call this team a pretty uh, significant disappointment. And where this conversation now ship, shifts is what happens over the off season now, because Yes, they can get to max cap space um, while holding Reggie Bullock's free agent hold. That's actually important because you should have shooting around LeBron despite how the Lakers acted uh, right after they signed LeBron. Which free agent, top free agent, top 10 name is most likely to go there? Because if you go through the list, it's at this point, it seems like it has to be Jimmy Butler and only because maybe he's tired of ranking fourth in touches per game Boogie. on the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, that's Boogie's not a, a superstar to me anymore. I know, you're right, yeah. Um, but I, I think you're right. I think it's down to um, some options that weren't that maybe weren't on the table <laughs> even six months ago. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll make another attempt at Anthony Davis this summer in, in the trade market. Um, I don't know if they'll get any closer because now they're going to have the Celtics to compete with, so... It could be the free agency. Um, and you have Lonzo Ball and Brent. Their best chance still to me to get a star is via trade now. And because well, you know, it, and it sucks that, I mean, that we, 
it's it's awful for Brandon Ingram and for the Lakers, but now he's got this scary health issue uh, attached to his trade value now too. Right, and it's it's the same thing with Lonzo Ball all of a yeah, sudden too. That's true. Yeah. And now when you're looking at free agency specifically too, what are they selling? Whatever happens from here on, if you want to throw it out, that's fine. They're injured. LeBron's going to be on a men's restriction, yada, yada, yada. But you're, what you're selling now is a team that might win if they, if they steer into the tank fewer games than they did last year. So they're going yeah. to be coming out of the lottery. LeBron is entering his age 35 season, working off, in terms of games missed, the most serious injury of his career. And that's before yeah. this whole minutes restriction and maintenance program started. And so now you're selling that plus the extra attention, um, the, the magnified scope that comes with playing with LeBron. Who wants to go there? This I'm not even trying to really insult the Lakers. It just it doesn't seem, especially when you have teams like the Clippers, uh, the Nets, uh, all these other squads. I mean, if you want to go deeper at the deep cuts, the Pacers, the Jazz, the Mavericks with cap space, you can even throw the Knicks out there because they're at least more of a blank slate. I don't know where the the Lakers rank on the scale of the most appealing free agent destinations right now. They're always going to have it because they're in L.A. and they're the Lakers. But I, I don't think you look at this and say, you know, let's say Kemba's going to leave Charlotte. Let, let's just say that. It, it, are the Lakers going to be his pick? What if they just punt another year? <laughs> yeah, max out Cousins for a year and uh, yeah. just do this all over again with LeBron entering his age 36 season. Yeah. Um, and getting ready for free agency again. He'll have a player option. Yeah, that's true. And and for the first time ever showing signs of mortality. I mean, I, I don't really... I don't really know a way to sugarcoat the situation for the Lakers other than to say that they have been like wildly incompetent by NBA franchise standards for years and they still got LeBron James. So <laughs> things things seem to work out for the Lakers. Did you see that tweet I put out a few days ago about the the five worst winning percentages in the NBA over the last 6 seasons? I sure did. <laughs> the Lakers are dead last. And the, the Philadelphia 76ers were intentionally throwing away seasons during that stretch. Um, so they, they, they have been a mess for quite some time now, um, dating back into the very end of Kobe's career. And uh, they, they still have had some things work out for them. So maybe that's, maybe that's what you look forward to if you're a Lakers fan. Maybe we'll just sort of back our way into something else great. Can you give me one is it just is it, it we're in agreement that it's jimmy butler can you give me one that you would give even a coin toss this chance of if they had to decide between incumbent teams that or, or the field plus the lakers that they would have a legitimately semi-high chance of luring away it's not kd i don't no. think it's Kawhi. no it's not people want to talk themselves into it being Kyrie. i really don't think it is i don't think that's going to happen either um i'm still like I'm still really hoping for Kyrie and KD to the Knicks. Um, oh, please. <laughs> I'll go with Butler because, like you said, it's it's hard to identify anyone else that you could put like any sort of confidence in. It's not Clay. I'm just running through these top names. I don't even think it's Kemba. If he's going to leave Charlotte, I feel like he might. I mean, maybe, but if he's going to leave Charlotte, I feel like he's honestly going to prioritize the best basketball fit situation, and that's not Los Angeles. Chris Middleton, if he's leaving Milwaukee, I don't think it's going to be for the Lakers. And I think I'm pretty sure he'll go back too. Yeah. I think it's a team that's going to want to stay together. Um, and even if they want to get, I mean, Kristaps isn't leaving Dallas. We forget about that. He's restricted. Tobias Harris, if he leaves Philly, which I don't think he's going to do, I he's 
Yeah, I think he's more likely to stay in Philly than Butler. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. If Al Horford opts out, I wouldn't put the late. I mean, he'd be a great fit for LeBron, but that's probably not a player you actually want, even though he aligns with LeBron's timeline. That's not that's not a player you probably want to give a multi year max or near max to at this point, unless you're that desperate. Although he would be yeah, Al Horford and LeBron would be something. Yeah. Um, we'll get into the other teams first, but we have to we have to pay the bills. So the following uh, read is going to be brought to you by Harry's. Uh, all right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That is harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. Do we want to Can start I with... Say, Dan, that uh, I, I am like fully invested in Harry's now after that ad read. Me too. I, I can't grow a beard, but I'm going to... Now I'm just going to try and, and just shave like crazy all the time in my I'll face. Be honest, I, I loathe shaving I uh, to its very core, um, and particularly blades. But now I'm like excited to uh, give Harry's a shot. Th- this, is, this is as organic and natural as you can find me on a podcast. I, I can second that. I can, that. That is evidence. It is, is proven. <laughs> uh, we want to steer into the rest of these disappointments. Uh, as Andy alluded to before, the Knicks... Their over-under was set at 29.5. 538 currently has them on track to win 16 games. We both picked the under for them because we're super smart. That win differential, again, 13.5 victories in the wrong direction, gives them the, the highest discrepancy in the league. And that's impressive to me just because they were supposed to be so bad to begin with. And I don't know if Vegas was counting on Porzingis playing at some point. That's really the only kind of sort of excuse. I don't think you look at this team and thought, oh, Tim Hardaway Jr., this team's going to get close to 30 wins. Oh, Kevin Knox, that's, this team's going to get close to 30 wins. I think we were both, I remember doing this recording, we were both pretty flummoxed that their over-under was above 25. Maybe it was just they thought more teams were going to be more flagrantly tanking. I don't even that's know. I, maybe. Yeah, maybe they thought the East was going to be a little bit worse, which is understandable. But but I think this was pretty easy under for both of us. I just to have them with a when you look at the Suns to have them has a higher over under than Phoenix Suns. I mean, damn! I know Phoenix is incompetent, <laughs> but but still, <laughs> yeah, that's not great. The next one was uh, Cleveland, and this this one's kind of easy to explain too. Their over under was thirty and a half. Uh, we actually both took the over on that, so we're going to miss that one. Um, right I actually now changed mine to the under and didn't tell you. That didn't happen. Oh, good but. job. <laughs> <laughs> They're projected to get to 20 at this point, which is a pretty big difference. Um, do you still 
do you still feel like they would have gotten over 30.5 if Kevin Love had played the first half of the season? I I almost do because, one, Kevin Love has looked really good for spurts. Yeah. Uh, Jetty Osman has been setting the world on fire for about a month pretty consistently. Colin Sexton, he, again, his shot selection for the most part this year has made me want to vomit, but he is hitting a lot more of his outside opportunities at a higher clip than I really thought he would. And if he's able to improve his finishing around the rim and really up that outside volume, their core is more interesting than I than advertised. And we, you know I have a huge man crush on David Nwaba. If he's more healthy this year, even if you just have him with Kevin Love for a good chunk of the season, I, I think this is a team, had they not traded Kevin Love, obviously, that there's a chance they actually would have hit the over. I'm not... I'm not as convinced. I think they certainly would have had a better chance have to get. Have seen the East? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And that I think that was my reasoning for going over on them uh, at the start of the season too. But um, the the roster after him is not great. I mean, you pointed to some some bright spots in Osman and Nawaba, and Sexton has done some nice things here and there. Um, but they're they're worse than I thought they would be. The the LeBron departure. Um, once again for the what third time in his career now it's uh it's a pretty big gaping hole that he leaves behind do you think that he's going to request a trade to cleveland for next season now that odell beckham jr is on the browns um how funny would it be if he went back i i just now saw the odell beckham news like while we were recording too that's pretty wild i think Uh, the knicks can at least safely say they did not get the lowest return for trading a star this year of New York professional teams. I was a little bit stunned that that's all they got for Odell. Beckham I didn't even Jr. see what they got. I just saw a headline. It was Jabril Peppers, uh, first round pick. So number 17 and a third round pick. And there might've been something else in there, but it wasn't a big deal. Well, the return for Antonio Brown was pretty crazy too. A third and a fifth. Isn't that all it was? It's a, the NFL is so weird. I haven't even tried oh, to dive yeah, into like, just I the way they view players and money. Free, it's, yeah. Free agency. It's all so strange to me although I feel like I've heard more about off-season movement this year than ever before maybe because players are trying to take at least you look at Antonio Brown's case maybe players are trying to take more control of their situation a little bit I don't really know it's up to the NBA I think yeah good luck with that (laughs) um after the Cavaliers who had the third biggest discrepancy we have the Pelicans uh they were we missed on this one too they were had an over under 45.5 538 has them projected to win 36 Right now, that's a 9.5 discrepancy. They are tied for fourth, by the way, um, with the with the 15 that we'll get to in a minute. Easy to explain. Injuries really hit this roster. I stand by the fact. Who are you more confident in? Let's say they're fully healthy. The Anthony Davis trade request, which is probably the main impetus at this point behind their demise. If, if it doesn't happen, if they stay healthy, who is more likely to hit their over-under? Cleveland, full, fully healthy, again, at 30.5, or, or New Orleans at 45.5? Um... I, I still think it probably would have been New Orleans. I, I think this is a situation that was harder to predict, um, to have one of the top, I don't know, three to five players in the NBA just torpedo things the way that he did um, at the midseason point, plus the injuries, as you mentioned. Because um, fully healthy, this is still a roster that I think should have – this this should have been a team that was in the playoffs and competing for 50 wins. Yeah, around there. And you probably don't trade Miritich, even though it it could have happened because he's a free agent this summer. But if you're healthy and the trade request from Davis never comes, you probably hold on to him. Yep. 
I yeah, I think you would for sure. I that one that's a team talent wise that should have beaten the over. Yeah, that's going to be. I don't know where he's gonna Davis is gonna end up this summer, but that's just their situation's super interesting now, and there's not a ton of bright spots to really look forward to. I mean, I don't even know what they do at this point. This I think from afar we look at it and say they just need to start over, and you you trade Drew Holiday as well and Anthony Davis, and you start building around that. At the same time, I really could see them trying to expedite things at least to begin with depending on who they get and you look at a lot of the main uh, potential trade centerpieces if it's Brandon Ingram or if it's Lonzo Ball or if it's Jason Tatum you're not getting guys who are sophomores anymore you're getting players in their third or fourth years coming up on extensions and new contracts that might sort of heighten the urgency of a post Davis era and that's not really a situation you want to be in after trading one of the game's five best players yeah back to the uh Back to the Davis trade for one second before we move on to the last disappointment. Um, can we officially rule the Lakers out for this summer in Anthony Davis? What do you mean rule? You don't think I, they're going to get him, you mean? I just don't under. I don't see how New Orleans can trade for Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball now. I That's more than fair. The curveball would be the Knicks don't win the lottery. Kyrie and Katie go to New York anyway. And the Celtics aren't willing to include Tatum. Yeah. That would set it. I don't know if that would still make them the favorites. There would be a a ton of other teams that could beat probably both Boston and Los Angeles' offer at that point. But I wouldn't count them out completely. I I agree with you, though. Uh, The the Ingram and the ball injuries, those are are huge in the grand scheme of things. And I know Ingram was playing fantastic, but at the time, still, you're already – you, you're not even just talking about the injuries, but guys that you now have to reinvest in semi soon. Yeah, really unfortunate um, for both of those guys. It, it's, I mean, I was I was really high on Ball basically is the entire time he's been in the NBA, even back into his time at UCLA. But Brandon Ingram was really starting to show stuff too, like he said right before he got hurt. So it's really unfortunate. Who's your favorite Who- Anthony Davis trade suitor sleeper? That sounded like a mouthful, but it's a pretty simple question. Um, I don't even know. I haven't put any thought into this. Because um, it, it always ends up being like some random team, huh? That that gets the star. Who, who has the assets to even go after him? They're still – I a lot of people I think are still going to pick Philly. I really – I'm going to be banging the Toronto drum if – I hate that Ben Simmons for Anthony Davis trade idea, by the way. Yeah, I just don't think it's, you know, I get why you would maybe want to try it, but I'm just, I don't want Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid together. It's not that they couldn't, not that it couldn't work. I don't love that bit. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing with kind of Denver and Jokic, though I would much rather see Davis play with Jokic than Joel Embiid. Yeah, his passing would make that seem uh, a little bit more plausible. But Toronto is interesting, too, who you just mentioned. We and were, then, I don't compliment us a lot, but we were, I feel like we were on top of that first. It started, once he officially requested a trade, everyone started talking about Toronto. But we were, when we were just discussing it, we were throwing out Toronto a few times, and we were there. It was just, you have you have Siakam now, who might be the favorite to win most improved player, depending on how you view the seasons of not just a bonus, but do you give it to a sophomore like De'Aaron Fox? You combine him with Ananobi, future picks, and you have interesting salary filler. You're you're looking at 
Uh, Fred Van Fleet will be on an expiring deal. Serge Ibaka will be on an expiring deal. You could, if, if Marcus Gasol opts in, you could theoretically move him. What's also interesting about the Raptors is if if Gasol opts out and they're they don't want to renounce or they will renounce Danny Green, they have a path to like some salary cap flexibility, which makes their situation just yeah, both crazy. fluid and interesting. So I yeah. would pick the Raptors as my favorite. Anthony Davis dark horse still. I still think uh, even though. <laughs> I just like ruled it out five minutes ago. I think the Lakers somehow back into Anthony Davis, even if it's like when he's a free agent. The that was year. the quickest 180 of any podcast <laughs> in the history of podcasts. My, the, the end of that sentence, though, is even if it says a free agent the next year. Um, that, so I, if he goes somewhere and then leaves for the Lakers in 2020, that's I, what is what is what does he want in that situation? Just to be in Los Angeles? LeBron. Age thirty six, LeBron coming up on free agency again. Going up, didn't you read all those features? It's just, I mean, you're what? You get one year with LeBron before he goes back to Cleveland for his farewell tour. Maybe two years. I'm I'm not figure out. I'm not going to try to figure out the logic behind Anthony Davis's um, future plans at this point. That brings us to our fifth team. Who are they, Andy? Fifth biggest underachiever. Washington Wizards, forty four and a half was the Vegas over-under. We both went over. Wow, we suck. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They're on pace for 35 wins, according to 538. Um, That's a differential of 9.5, same as the Pelicans differential. Um, This one, I mean, the John Wall injury didn't help, although they weren't playing well when John Wall was, was playing either. Um, the, the John Wall Bradley Beal combination was comfortably in the negative for net rating. The their big three, I guess, of, of Wall, Beal, and Porter was was negative as well. Um, it just it just didn't seem to be working from the very start. It was like one of those situations where how long have these three guys been together? Like five or six, seven years. It just seems like they tried so long, and it finally just sort of. Um, I don't know what the word is. The, the the chemistry had just kind of spoiled for that team. That that big three had had expired. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And it's I don't know exactly where they go from here because there's a chance that Wall's Achilles injury keeps him out all of next year. It'll probably be at least half, if not most, that, of next that year. It's just such a that's going to be so tough for them to recover from. What I think helps is that Bradley Beal by all appearances, and based off what he says, wants to stay there. There was the, the little soundbite from him that said he'd like to die in a Wizards jersey, which was, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that seems fairly definitive to me. I don't know about you. If I had to pick a jersey to die in, though, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be the Washington Wizards jersey. It might be a Miami Vice jersey. Those, I things, hope, those are real heat, no pun intended. I hope he does the old uh, gold Wizards jersey that Gilbert Arenas wore for a couple of years. Oh, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'd rather see him wear. Uh, so I want a hero to come out and say he wants to die in one of those puke orange Golden State jerseys. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect. From too. back in the day, and what I think they should do is, I'm fine with them keeping Beal. I think he's young enough to be part of whatever else they're doing. It's going to get tricky. He has two seasons left on this deal, and then he's a free agent. You talk about his payday in combination with John Wall's extension that that gets tricky. You need to be super responsible this off season. I'm not saying blow it up and try and tank next year and then figure it all out leading into 2020, 2021 with Wall and Beal, some cap space and, and a high draft pick. Sign one-year deals. Don't get into Bobby Portis for multi-years. 
like multiple years. I feel like that would be such a Wizards move. Would be signing Bobby Portis, giving Trevor Ariza a multi-year contract. If you can, you know, if you want to pay the tax again, you traded Otto Porter for what I think was a terrible return. I know Bobby Portis has played well, but no. Such a weird trade. Yeah. Uh, And shame on, again, the Jazz or another team for not beating that offer because I feel like a few teams could have. And Otto Porter is pretty much bald in Chicago. Uh, That (laughs) that being said, just at least sign one. If you're going to go for the playoffs, fine. I get it. The East, it still sucks and yada, yada, yada. Make these one-year deals. Be smart about it um, so that you can still give yourself flexibility leading into 2020 to at least keep pace with the ambiguity of your trajectory right now because you don't know what's going to happen next year, and maybe you're going to want to eventually hit reset. I know John Wall's contract isn't going to be suddenly easy to move when he's not playing. You need to give yourself that flexibility, particularly after trading Otto Porter for what I can only imagine was financial reasons. You can't talk to me into that trade being more than we just don't want to pay the tax this year and we want to give ourselves flexibility under the tax next year. That's fine. But again, if they start handing out multi-year contracts, uh, even Thomas Bryant looks like he's played his way into his future. You need to be more, you need to draw a harder line in the sand here for them. And that's the, that's for me. Again, if you want to trace the playoffs next year, do it, but do it while signing guys to placeholder contracts. Yeah. Um, it, it is tough to figure out where they go from here, for sure. Can I put you on the spot with a um, question about these five teams? Okay, let's hear it. Which one has the brightest future of these five? Okay. Um, the Knicks. <laughs> you didn't tell me you did edibles before the podcast. <laughs> like you said, at least they have a clean slate. Um, it's probably the Lakers just cause they have LeBron and, and I would think that he has at least a couple more years left at top 10 level play. So if you can just get one guy to add to him, then, then you're in a lot better business than you were in this year. Um, but I really am like, I'm very intrigued by the Knicks this summer. If they pull off what they're supposed to be able to pull off, um, they're going to be really interesting. You sent me a tweet while I was on vacation of you shitting on Kevin Knox, and now you're just about <laughs> to just rain sunflowers and dandelions and daisies all over their future. What a Kevin world. Knox, historically bad NBA rookie. <laughs> Mitchell I'm Robinson, st- the GOAT, though. I guess I guess that's fair. There you go. That makes sense. Mitchell Robinson's about to catch Luka Doncic, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> before we jump into the pleasant surprises, now I am going to dabble. In the ad reads, um, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? And can Kentucky get back to the final four? If you know the answers, or even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. Is that you, Dan? Are you multiple bracket guy? Um, <laughs> MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, and the best part is they pay out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash. Deposit with MyBookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE 
for a 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, no spaces. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. And with that uh, uplifting message, we now get to some uplifting teams. Um, these are the teams that that killed uh, their Vegas over-unders in a good way. Uh, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets, who had an over-under of 32.5. I foolishly went under. Dan went over. Idiot. Uh, this is <laughs> – I was going to say this is your first chance to gloat. Um the Nets are on pace for 40 wins, according to 538, and that's a difference of seven and a half. Um, they've they've been one of the more fun teams in the NBA for me this season. They're now sort of a league pass watch for me. I love uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I've been on and off the D'Angelo ban- Russell bandwagon several times, uh, most recently on, uh, and it's getting harder and harder to get off. I, I just think this team has got a really bright future, and um, – He's probably gotten enough shout-outs since he took over the job, but shout-out to Sean Marks once again. Kenny Atkinson, too. Having spent some time around the team um, before this season, just when they had so many placeholders there, just the ability ability to keep everyone engaged um, and work on certain projects, it's just – it honestly is incredible. I am still not fully in the D'Angelo Russell bandwagon in the sense that I will cop to being too low on him gladly. Uh, he's not someone that I'm paying close to max, max money. If the, his cap hold is, I, forget, I think it's $21.7 million. I'd want to pay him comfortably less than that to feel good about his next deal. And I know you posed the question of who would you rather max out, Kemba Walker or D'Angelo Russell? An interesting yeah. question, I think. It would still be Kemba for me, very clearly. I just don't, I don't trust D'Angelo Russell's to improve much on the defensive end. And I think Kemba's been bad there this year, but his workload to me has a lot to do with it. He's been better in other seasons and, and works hard. I, I just don't, I'm not there. He's so erratic still, but he, maybe he'll prove me wrong again, but if someone comes in and I don't know if that team's out there because you look at the teams with cap space, not many of them need a point guard. Um, even if, you know, the magic just acquired Fultz and even if they want to go that route, they still need to clear a ton of cap space to really throw a competitive offer out for Russell. Same thing with Phoenix, particularly if they want to keep Kelly Oubre Jr. Who's been scoring a ton since coming over. So that probably benefits the Nets. I'm very interested to see there are a handful of players. We've talked about them, a guy like Bojan Bogdanovich. I want to see what their numbers are in free agency. And D'Angelo Russell's contract is, is, is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, do you think they will max him? No. If they if if someone maxes him out, and I don't know which which team would do that, I think it would be foolish. I don't think the Nets match. I honestly don't. It's it's just he's had a good year. I mean, he's kind of slowed down over the past um, ten games. He's, his three point percentage has, has plummeted. It's certainly worth noting. I'm just that's too much money for him. I don't know. I'm not. He deserved it. when you talk about him getting the All Star spot in in replace of Oladipo. I think he deserved it. It could have gone to Bledsoe, could have gone to Siakam, and any of those guys would have deserved it. I don't think you can just say this is a guy who is going to be a star, um, and and headline a star level offense and and be that hub for the next three to five years. I don't think you can guarantee that. It's for the same reason. Yes, he's 23. That's that's spectacular. He's still really young. There's just mm-hmm. been so much inconsistency, and he's come a long way with Brooklyn. But if his number is, I don't know what your number for him would be, but I don't know, 15, 16 might be my absolute highest for him before I start saying, 
start thinking about saying goodbye. Yeah, that's pretty low. I think I'd go up to at least that cap hold. Um, and yeah, I just, will kill me for that. Man. Some of them are, I've already been killed for my D'Angelo Russell yeah. takes. I'm just still a good shot creator. Made, uh, he's made strides as a decision maker too. I just don't know how much better he's going to get. And if you're going to give someone $20 million a year, I think they need to have like top 25 player potential. And I don't think D'Angelo Russell is that guy. I think it's totally fair uh, take that you have. I, I think I've heard a lot of times about a lot of different players over the years. If he just figures out how to draw fouls, he'll be, you know, he'll jump into the next next level. And I'm not sure how many guys ever do figure that out. Um, yeah, just draw fouls like it's a thing. Yeah. Just get to the line. Or shoot better from three. <laughs> Those things would certainly help, especially drawing fouls for him. And and like you said, he's got a ways to go on defense, too. I keep coming back to the fact that he's only 23. The raw production is very good for a player his age. Um, For his entire career, even back to the Lakers days, the the per 36 minutes numbers on him have basically been like 20 points, five rebounds, five assists. And his his playmaking has been even better this season. So I'm still – he's still a – I don't think we can call him a prospect anymore, but he's still a player that's very interesting to me. I don't know if I would max him either. I think it would be really situation dependent, and I'm not sure Brooklyn is <laughs> the situation, but the nature of restricted free agency is just... Um, it can be brutal. Yeah, it's tough. I, I don't know. I just don't know where the max is. I don't even know where the most aggressive offer sheet is coming from. I'm assuming a team will consider giving him one because he has been good verging on great this year. Yeah. But there, if it's a team like Phoenix, and I don't know what that defensive backcourt of Booker and yeah, Russell yes. would look like, but you're you're talking about you have to start ca- carving out cap space. Then they're not going to have it. Orlando, I don't think should. You gave up a first round pick for Markel Fultz. Fultz yeah. Might just see what you have in him. And then after that, it's you know the the Knicks. Yeah, they could get stupid if uh, they miss out on Kyrie and KD. But they have Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, New Orleans, <laughs> they can have a ton of money depending on what happens, but they're not. That would be. Wow, that would be franchise malpractice. I just don't know where the money's coming from, which benefits, you know, the Nets. Maybe they get them on. It's not going to be as friendly a deal as Spencer Dinwiddie's, I don't think. I just don't know where where the nuclear offer is coming from. Yeah, you might be right. And then maybe this is, like you said, uh, Kenny Atkinson's been great. Sean Marks has been great. Maybe this is a situation that he wants to just stay in. Um, and so that might help the Nets too. Um, Our next team. Yeah, go ahead. List of the most pleasant. We just spent the whole Nets talk talking about D'Angelo Russell. I'm still a Karis LeVert fan. Think he's might still be their best prospect. I love Dimwitty. Jared Allen's going to be really good. But that team has a they they have a bright future. I think D'Angelo Russell uh, next contract though is going to be kind of a defining moment for where they go from here and how their future does look moving for on sure. after this season. The Blazers, their over under uh, was 41.5. Both of us took the over. They're on pace for 50, according to 538. So they're outperforming their projection by 8.5 wins. Uh, that is the fourth best mark in the league. I don't know. They're not. I don't think it's surprising that they're on pace to win this many games. I know the West is brutal. I'm more so surprised that their over-under was set so low. Yeah. With that in mind, <laughs> neither of us picked them to make the playoffs. For this season. Oh, so, wow. So that bears mentioning. We were talking about teams that could fall off, and we, I think, I don't think either of us had the Clippers in there either. It's, but we didn't have the Blazers in the playoffs, and they've, they're kind of that team where continuity is, is their FU. We keep saying, oh, the same old thing isn't going to work, but their middle finger is we're going to hang around the top five 
in the Western Conference, and a, a big a big deal for them is going to see whoever they face in the first round. Right now, they're matched up with the Thunder, and that would be there's not an easy matchup in the West, but you don't, I don't think you want to face Houston or Oklahoma City or Denver in the first round or Golden State. Uh, though, but that's just the reality. And if they get pummeled in the first round again, that's when real questions will start being asked. Forty-one and a half seems so low. Um, and like you said, we both picked them to miss the playoffs. So this is kind of like, um, this is kind of like a half wrong, half right for me. But uh, it seemed like an easy over at the time. And I, I remember there was a lot of Damian Lillard, Los Angeles Lakers rumors um, before the season started. I don't know if Vegas bought into that, but it just, that seems so low to me. He's so at- married to that franchise and city. He's not required. The Blazers would have yeah. to be the ones to initiate it at this point. I feel it's, like yeah, it seems like, and, and we've seen plenty of situations before where the star player seemed very rah, rah about the, the team that drafted him and, and gave him the first big contract and all that. And then he still ends up leaving, but it, it really does feel very genuine um, with Damian Lillard. And there, there's just a nice symbiosis between T or player and city there. Um, so, yeah, I think kind of, kind of right in the sense that we took the over there, but wrong in the sense that we had them missing the playoffs. But like you said, uh, this could all come crashing down from, for them. I, <laughs> The only team that I just, for some reason, am still not even remotely scared of in the West is the Spurs. Um, if they get matched up against just about anyone else, I could see them losing in the first round. Here's my thing. Imagine winning 50 games in the West, and then you have to face Mother F and Greg Popovich in the first round. Nah. I don't. <laughs> I can understand not trusting them. Uh, they would scare me more than the Clippers. You're not going to like this, but they would scare me more than the Jazz, I think, at this point. The Spurs? Yeah. Spurs are the only team I want the Jazz to face. That's. I <laughs> think that's fair, but there's just looking at Utah's um, kind of, I want to say, like, they're not, last, last not forever, week, but for there's, there's still that void in shot creation for them, like, consistently to have that second guy. And I don't, in the playoffs, that could really manifest itself. Maybe the Spurs' defense is weak enough for it not to matter, but... They're they're the Spurs. Maybe I'm giving them too much faith. But yeah, Portland is... I don't know what I'm more surprised by, by the way. Them, this is all cleaning the glass. They have the fourth best offense and then the 17th best defense. I think I would have expected both those marks to be in the different directions. I would have thought they'd be closer to 10th in offense and maybe definitely in the top half of the league in defensive efficiency. But when you look at some of the lineups they've been running out, that they're probably not bottom 10 in defensive efficiency is an accomplishment on their part. One last thing on the Blazers too. Um, did you? Can you guess where Damian Lillard is in the average player rankings thing right now? Is he higher than Yosef Nurkic? I think he's probably ten. Oh, yes, he is actually ten. But but Nurkic is an interesting one too. Right now, Lillard is nine, and the thing that's interesting is that he's ahead of Stephen Curry, um, who's at number eleven. And and Stephen Curry's dinged a little bit by the time that he missed. So if you do it by only the rate catch all. So if you sort every player by the average of their ranks in five different rate catch alls, Curry's 10th and Lillard is 13th. Um, but in the overall one, which does five rate and five cumulative numbers, Lillard is ninth and Nurkic is 15th. Um, that, I mean, it's, it's been a heck of a top two that those guys in and, and particularly Lillard uh, has just been, is McCollum even in the top 100? Let me check. 
Cullum is 67 right now. I'm actually surprised he's that high based I, on the season I, he's at. Yeah, I think he's actually climbed quite a bit the last few times I've done it because when you said, is he even in the top 100, I wasn't sure. I, I think maybe as recently as like a month ago, he was outside the top 100. Um, the last note, this is backtracking before you move on to our, our next team. The Nets have the hardest remaining schedule in the league, which is something oh. I didn't realize. I was trying to see what the Blazers were at, and they're like middle of the road. I didn't realize Brooklyn had the hardest remaining schedule. And shout out to the Jazz for starting to lose games right when they got the easiest uh, remaining schedule in the league. They still have the easiest remaining schedule in the league. So, yes, and and you're up here. The Spurs have the third easiest schedule in the league remaining. Interesting. Um, All right, next, pleasant surprise. Los Angeles Clippers, their over-under was 35-and-a-half. We both went under on that. And right now, 538 has them getting to 47 wins. Uh, Difference of 11-and-a-half. Um, so they they blew that out of the water, and I even I was wrong about them twice. I picked them under here, and then I also thought that they were going to fall off uh, after the trade deadline when they when they moved Tobias Harris to the Sixers. But they've been um, excellent. And another guy who's higher on that average rankings thing than I think most people realize, Daniel Gallinari's twenty eight in the NBA right now. Um, he's been fantastic. Their their bench I think is just maybe the best in the league with Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams, both coming off that bench. Um, Harrell's been a top 25 to 35 player all season long. Um, it, it just for two years now, it doesn't seem to matter who they trot out. Doc Rivers can get them to play really hard and, and really effectively. And uh, I'm not the first person to say this, but it certainly seems like this is uh, the best coaching stretch of Rivers career. Where does the Clippers bench rank in point differential per 100 possessions? Do you have it pulled up? Yeah, please. You know it. <laughs> um, I'm going to say third. Second. Oh, okay. Who's who's beating them? The Pacers. Bench is nuts. Interesting. Sabonis, yeah. Um, yeah, they're going to – we didn't – neither of us picked them to make the playoffs either. I think that's also worth noting. I think we yeah. had them as the 13th seed in the West, by the way. So just just throwing that out there <laughs> <laughs> in case anyone wants to um, not place any more stock in our analysis. But yeah, Daniel the, the Gallinari staying healthy for most of the year. I know he missed, I think it was like 10 games or 11 games or something with the back stuff. Been great. Uh, you look at the guys, they, this is, they traded Blake Griffin last year, their best player. Tobias Harris, arguably their best player this year, though. I think it, I think it was Gallo even before the trade. But to trade your two top guys in consecutive seasons and still be where they're at. And over their last 10 games, um, of their top players in uh, plus-minus per 100 possessions, two of them were acquired pretty much leading up to the trade deadline. Uh, Zubak and Shamit. So, Speaking of crazy trades, the Ivica Zubats trade for the Lakers, my goodness. Yeah, that's proof that their front office is batshit crazy. That was insane. So the Clippers, their sales pitch this summer, someone will take Daniel Gallinari's contract just in the cap space. I'm convinced at this point. If they want two maxes, that's probably yeah, the quickest route. The Jazz. Yeah, that would, he'd be a great fit for the Jazz. So uh, Patrick Beverly, he's really – he's always been there, – there were some moments in the earlier in the season where it looked like he was falling off, but he's just – he's killed people defensively lately, and his offense has picked up as well. So if they can, he has a small cap hold. 
they can definitely open up max money with him. If they want to go for dual maxes while trading Gallo, they can. They have paths to keeping him, and he's he's a guy you want playing next to whatever superstars you have. If I'm free agents, I want to go to the Clippers instead of the Lakers, and it's not even close for me at this point. I don't know if they will, but that's... Even with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who, by the way, over his last 10 games, on nearly four attempts per 100 possessions, so not many, shooting 45% from three. So let's just backtrack and remember that I wanted the Knicks to take him, and they did not. So, throwing that they out will. There. You need to be in their front office, and I need to be in Utah's. No, they seem... It legitimately seems miserable around that organization. It's just... <laughs> if you ever cover a game at Madison Square Garden and you don't leave wanting to blow your brains out, um, kudos to you. You you will be the ray of sunshine that will turn the Knicks around. Oh, we need to move on. Uh, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, the second largest win discrepancy. I'm going to come off looking like a fool here. Their over-under was 46.5. You took the over. I took the under. Yeah, this is my chance to gloat. Yeah, you should. Was I drinking during that Eastern Conference over-under <laughs> podcast? I can't remember. They're on pace for 62 wins per 538, outperforming their expectations by 15.5 victories, second biggest in the league. I have – there are no words from me. You should just gloat. Uh, Mike Bunholzer <laughs> needs to be coach of the year. Uh, the Brooke Lopez pickup was fantastic. Giannis Antetokounmpo, again, what he shot from three for basically half of the season, it just feels like it, it's over. And this is the team. We both picked the Raptors to come out of the East. I think a lot of people are probably I, – I think I'm going to stand by the Raptors pick for now, but if, if anyone wants to just say it's the Bucks and that they're the obvious choice, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah. And I, um, I didn't think they'd be this good. I, I picked them for fourth in the East. Um, and I remember thinking uh, that it was just kind of a, like, um, I was real confident in the Raptors finishing first. And then I thought it was just kind of like a mix after that for two, three, four, uh, with the Celtics, 76ers and Bucks. And they've, They've been better than even I thought they would be. I figured Giannis was probably the best player in the conference. I felt like at the time it was a toss-up between him and Kawhi. I think it's it's him and a landslide. Yeah, uh, no more toss-ups. Yeah. Uh, the, button, the switch from Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty to Mike Bodenholzer was just huge. I underestimated I, – I like the Brooke Lopez signing. I underestimated it. Um, He's been excellent, and what Budenholzer has done with him has just been excellent, turning him into this guy who will just shoot from 30 feet. Um, he has unlocked an extra level in in pretty much every guy on this roster. Um, their player rankings right now, Giannis is first in the NBA. Um, Eric Bledsoe is 20th. Um that Malcolm extension Brogdon. was such a good one for the Bucks. That is, oh my gosh, a steal. Malcolm Brogdon, thirty fourth. Um, Brooke Lopez is thirty ninth, and Chris Middleton is fifty third. Um, all five of their starters in the top fifty three. Four of them in the top forty. Um, Budenholzer has elevated this team, I think, beyond what just about anybody could have imagined i i'm almost at a point now and i i'll throw it back to you after i say this but i wouldn't be like floored if they beat the warriors in the finals they are the biggest threats to the warriors lie outside the western conference and i would not be shocked if milwaukee beat them either i wouldn't pick milwaukee to beat them no i would probably still pick golden state too but i i think we've reached a point where it's uh a real there's problem. There's so many different ways they can play, and especially with Nicole Miritich now there. Um, 
Brooke Lopez, by the way, the first player in NBA history, assuming his numbers hold, which I'm just, they're going to, to average two made three-pointers and two blocks per 36 minutes. And his rim protection numbers are actually really, really good. Opponents are shooting, I think, under 50% against him at the rim, which is just one of the best marks in the league on relatively high volume. And again, the Miritich can, yeah, he can change the complexion of the way this is Miritich that they play if Lopez gets played off the floor in a final series, which is it is possible against the Warriors. He'll be able to stay on in those minutes that Cousins actually plays, uh, but there's a chance. But if you want to go with Miritich and Giannis as just your interchangeable four or five combination, you can really do that. Ursan Silva probably doesn't get talked about enough. He's really been he won't miss from three over the past couple of weeks either. This team is deep and it's scary. There are people who want DJ Wilson to play more, which is it's fair. It, weapons everywhere though, and even the Gasol signing uh, has not played great for them in the few appearances he has made. But that's just that's extra depth, and so this team is right there. And they now have a path because of the Bledsoe extension plus the way they offloaded money. Not I'm not saying I'm a fan of saving owners money, but they have a feasible path to now keeping Bledsoe along with Brogdon, Brook Lopez, and Middleton without paying the tax. I don't know what happens with Miritich in that situation. A lot depends on Lopez's market, how much Brogdon and Middleton command, but it, it's possible that they can do that. And, and that's that's a huge deal because the reality is a lot of franchises, no matter how good they are, this team could win the championship. Milwaukee probably still won't want to pay the tax next year. Um, yeah, that's that's crazy that there's even uh, a world in which they can duck it, though. Um, so shout out to that front office. And I don't know if them giving four se- up second round picks for Miritich is a sign that they're willing to pay the tax, or that they think you know maybe there's a if they dump Tony Snell if that's what they want to do, and maybe a little bit more money uh, that they could stay under the tax then, or may- again maybe giving up. Not a ton, but four second-round picks is a lot. Two of them were from Washington. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a sign they're willing to. I, I honestly don't know. My guess would be no, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right, that takes us to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, I, I, my guess is a lot of our uh, listeners probably could have seen this one coming. Their over-under was 25-and-a-half. We both went under. Um, right now, 538 has them projected to get to 46 wins. I mean – for weeks we just kept waiting for the not i mean maybe not you but the sort of the collective we of nba fandom uh just kept waiting for the sacramento kings to fall off um they never did they've they've just been not only a pleasant surprise but just a fun surprise they've they've become one of the most fun teams to watch in the league the pace with with it with which they play um De'Aaron fox is this very legit like 17 and 7 floor general um buddy healed has i mean i i feel like i've been on team buddy for a while now but he's he's been excellent this season bagley's better than i thought he would be um harry giles has even showed some stuff as a passer um there's there's a lot to get excited about with this young team they my the two notes i'll have on them is and i'm gonna say this real quick they need to let willie call Lee stein walk in restricted free agency i'm officially five what's that I want yeah. to see back at the five. And it's not so. even that, but what everything Willie Cauley Stein does is just replaceable. He's not a great rim protector, and that's really what you need on this team. And his offense really seems like he can do some stuff. He has more of a floor game that they don't explore too much, but everything he does, there's more expansive arsenals in both Giles and um, Bagley at this point. And you have Bielitsa at a better price point yeah. than Cauley Stein might cost. Let him, if it's a bargain, fine. But if it's, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go more than $10 million a year for Willie Cauley-Stein. That might even be a stretch if you're looking at the other bigs on this roster. And my other note is trivia for you. Who is, the, who is the other player 
who is averaging as many points, assists, and steals per 36 minutes as De'Aaron Fox. There's one other player. Points, assists, and steals this season. Uh, uh, I'll say Westbrook. Yeah, it's him. And Fox's effective field goal percentage is objectively, appreciably, (laughs) mega absurdly higher because he is shooting a better clip from three. He's And he's a pull-up three-point weapon now at this point. Not someone you're going to go to. Uh, a ton to do that but he he had that killer instinct last year we don't really talk about intangibles too much but you could see in crunch time he is he is a killer and the hardest part of any rebuild is finding the player who has top 20 potential De'Aaron Fox is not there this season if you told me he was going to be there next year I would not I would not surprise me in the slightest he is that brand of player maybe it takes him another year or two to get to that level level but he is an all NBA caliber player I would even say in due time yeah, I could I could see that for sure. And him in combination with Heald is like the next uh, up-and-coming backcourt. Um, we've had a lot of exciting young backcourts over the league, and I think this this duo is ready to sort of... Heald take- is extension eligible this offseason, too. They're going to have some interesting financial decisions yeah, in the coming sure. years, but Heald just doesn't miss. And so- I also like... Uh, we haven't mentioned Bogdan Bogdanovich yet, which uh, I, I think those three together at the one through three is um, hopefully that's that's their starting uh, one, two, and three all season next season. It, it's it's they just fit each other really well, and they're good. Uh, they can get the max cap space this summer, which is just nuts. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting if they could, you know, if Fox has been impressive enough to attract one of those mid-tier free agents then um look all i'm gonna say is if if there's a free agent that has the gall who wants to be one of the two best players get spun as a franchise cornerstone being in a being a pretty good market nice climate uh, yeah. still get paid jimmy butler needs to go to sacramento there you go i don't want him to destroy this fun young team yeah that's chemistry. fair that's the fun factor on them which would, would fall down <laughs> would fall way down uh-huh. I really wanted them to make the playoffs too, but that's that's pretty much officially out. Five thirty eight gives them a one percent chance. Um, they're pretty much cooked. But um, I don't know if I said the differential on that either. They're on pace for forty six wins. That's a twenty and a half difference from their Vegas over under. I mean, they just blew it out of the water. The key for them is reaction to this. To me, it's I don't <laughs> think this is going to be the next version of the Phoenix Sun team that doubled down with the Goran Dragic, all those point guard models. But you are going to have cap space. You don't want to get into long-term deals that will be difficult to move. Because, again, you're not going to make the playoffs. And that's just something to remember. This is It's fine to be high on their future. I think they have one of the best young cores there. But it's important not to overreact to the success this season. There's still a level of, we have to prove this is sustainable. Slash, I'm not ready to give the front office the benefit of the doubt just yet. And the stuff with Dave Yeager, that's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that plays out over the offseason as well. For sure. All right, before I wrap up, I'm just going to read off real quickly the three teams that Vegas came closest to nailing, um, just because I think it's interesting. The Charlotte Hornets are on pace for 35 wins, according to 538. Their over-under was 35 and a half. Um, OKC, their 538 pace is 51 wins. Their over-under was 50.5. And the Utah Jazz... Uh, 538 has them winning 49 and their over under was 48 and a half. Um, so those are the three that I would just like to say that I went three for three so far on pace and those over under picks and that you were one and two just throwing we need this. I'm excited to get some official results on this when the season is over. It'll be fun to see who won. Um, until our next episode, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. 
once again, as always, we urge you to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And of course, if you've already done that, we encourage you to tell your friends and family about it. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, it doesn't matter what phone or tablet or whatever your friends and family have. They can find Hardwood Knox, and it is guaranteed to improve their quality of life uh, exponentially. Um, that's the Andrew Bailey guarantee on that. Until next time. Oh, of course. I, <laughs> I forgot our Twitter handles. Dan's at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. Um, the sponsor is at NBA underscore math. And I need to figure out <laughs> Blue Wire's handle, um, at Blue Wire Pods. Follow them as well. There was a promotion uh, just last week. It, all you had to do was follow Blue Wire, and you entered for a chance to win a nice hoodie. Um, and I, I imagine we'll be doing more giveaways like that in the future. In fact, they already announced the one that I just referenced. They gave away free gear to like one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine people. There will um, be um, Hardwood Knox garb coming soon once yeah. Andy and I get get our act together. And, and so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We should tell Hardwood Knox listeners to like send us suggestions in our mentions on Twitter. What for- do you want to see? T-shirt <laughs> sayings or, or designs and, and we'll make it work. So get at Andy on Twitter or me on Twitter or Hardwood Knox on Twitter. Yeah. Let us know what you want to see on the uh, Hardwood Knox t-shirts, sweatshirts, etc. cetera. Uh, until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Ben Audrey and Kyle Anderson. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.